Yep. All right. Sure. Oh, we did it. Welcome to Cold Call, Cold Calling Live uh, with Cognizant. We've got a special guest this week, uh, Greg Woodward, who is going to be my coach today. So uh, we're going to start today's session just by doing a little bit of a background on who is Greg. Why is he qualified to be giving, giving some coaching advice here? Um, a little bit about what he does. His approach to outbound is really, really um, spectacular. Him and I actually share a lot of common beliefs, I believe. Uh, we have a common, uh, I guess, fanboy around the late, great Chet Holmes and, and the math behind outbound. And, and Greg's got an amazing practice that works with some of the fastest growing uh, tech companies. And um, in any case, want to introduce him quickly. We're going to do a little bit about his background, his approach to outbound. And then we've got about six real live calls that we went through. We're going to listen and get coached up live here so you can see what it's like to, to work with a real pro. And uh, of course, we want to keep this interactive along the way. So feel free to ask questions and chat along the way. And uh, we have a jam-packed, uh, I guess, another 54 minutes left here. So Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks for, thanks for taking some time to, to do this with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's, uh, I think this is going to be a fun one. Um, just background real quick. Greg Woodward, Woodward Strategies is my firm based in Washington, D.C. Uh, I work with venture-backed tech companies that have uh, outbound teams or even just regular salespeople that are doing outbound as part of their day-to-day. Uh, -day. Um, 13 countries, coaching teams that speak different languages and things like that. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun here. I, um, I always love doing a session with Ryan because he sort of thinks about it the same way as I do in the sense of just dial, right? And just rip that Band-Aid off and get in there and start making calls and then kind of learn as you go. So I think this is going to be fun. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So what I think is really exciting about you being here is, you know, this group, the folks that are tuning in. And as Greg mentioned, he's uh, doing this across, you said, 13 different languages? 13 countries. So 13, 13 countries. How many different languages? Oh, I don't know. A lot. They have to speak English to work with me because I only speak one. But they, my, my point, and it's probably worth mentioning this, um, what we're going to be going through, which you'll see from some of the, the sort of coaching that I'm going to do, uh, the approach to outbound is is really based on psychology. And I know that's sort of an overused term, but it's critical here because when you're caught off guard with a cold call, for instance, your brain, the way it receives information is not the same as it is in a normal discussion. All right. So that's the psychology piece. Um, the reason I mentioned different languages is because um, the psychology is universal, right? Our brains are, they, they, they require the same sort of um, process when you're caught off guard, doesn't matter what language you're speaking. They form the same lingering questions in the same sequence, typically. So um, this is this is something that uh, this is something that's just universally applicable. Everything we're going to be talking about today. I love it, and I love the fact that you have the objective um, data on what you just said. It's not it's not something that uh, is from your gut, subjectively saying, "Well, it's different here versus there," um, mm -hmm. because that comes up often, right? Hey, it's different to do outbound in the UK versus North America versus somewhere else. And unfortunately I don't have that experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So having your experience in this discussion today is gonna be, I think really exciting for me to learn from, but also for those tuning in, you can see we have South Africa, we got them coming in from everywhere. So uh, the psychology of some of this, and I think uh, one of the things that resonates really well with me is when we talk, you talk a lot about how do you prepare for outbound? It seems to be yeah. one of the, the biggest the biggest challenges for folks is just getting started. You know, you mentioned, I love to just rip it off. Let's go rip dials, rip the band-aids. But 
what are some of the things that that you see with the teams you're working with, the reps you're working with as to um, this call reluctance, and then maybe some tips and ideas around getting over that. And then we can jump in and do some live coaching today. But I'd love to get your perspective because I think with your perspective, people can really benefit from maybe right after this, getting in and making some calls today. The way I think about it, this is going to sound weird to folks that don't know me yet, but um, here's the way I think about it. When I was a little kid, I was a Cub Scout, which is, you know, before you're actually able to be a Boy Scout, you know, I was probably 10. And we went to summer camp for two weeks. And it was, even though it was August, it was really cold in the mornings. So we were in our tents and we had to get up every morning and do what they call the polar bear swim, which is oh. just jumping in the pool. And it's kind of cold out in the morning. And to me, as a little kid, that pool looked like an Arctic glacier, you know, and I wanted to stay in my warm sleeping bag. So I noticed, and I didn't notice it really at the time in this way, but I do now kind of a metaphor for this. Um, most people, including me, <laughs> would kind of get up to the pool, sort of still have a blanket on and kind of dip our toe in and just painfully, you know, one inch at a time, get in the water. And then there was other people that would just jump out of their sleeping bag, run to the pool and just jump in and tear that bandaid off, you know? A second later, they're acclimated to the temperature and it feels fine. It's over with. It's done. What's next? Yeah. That's how I think about outbound. I mean, it, it, I'm not suggesting that anybody just pick up the phone and recklessly dial without, you know, knowing who they're calling, without understanding what they're going to say, without having a mental picture of how this call should be designed, how this call is going to end. That's critical. Like having a mental picture of, of, of how you want this call to end. And the same applies if you're going to a meeting with someone. Like visualize how you want it to end and that will help guide you to think on your feet because when you rip Band-Aid off, what happens is fight or flight takes over to a degree. And that is a tremendous asset for you on a cold call because the truth is if it's in your head somewhere, like if you understand enough and it's in your head somewhere, when you're in fight or flight, you don't have to consciously access it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You subconsciously access it. So it just kind of happens. So you, you have to kind of trust yourself a little bit in that regard. Do the necessary preparations to understand your product, your solution, your personas, their pain points, and then just focus only on that goal and then dial. When you rip the bandaid off, when you jump in the cold pool, right? The second call is a lot easier. You're not procrastinating with these little micro actions, you know, adjusting your chair. The third call is even easier. And then by the time you do this, you know, four or five calls in, talk to two people, it's so easy. You're thinking to yourself, why don't I just do this all the time? all day. It's just so easy, right? The ROI on cold calling is so much higher than it is on anything else because there's no noise in that channel, right? People talk a big game about cold calling, but the reality of it is, is most reps at companies aren't doing it. The ones that are, maybe they're doing like a spotty effort with it. And then you have teams that it, they're call first. They're like you, Ryan. And they're the ones that are crushing it right now. Like when I say crushing it, I'm talking about crushing it right now. That's that's the reality of it. And that's what I see all over the place. Can you, can you put a definition on when you say crushing, crushing? Cause that is that, do, do you have any insight around like, what's the productivity of a team that is phone first and making the calls daily and getting it done versus maybe teams that are dabbling in it? Do you, do you have any like real data, like reps who are phone first produce X more pipeline per rep? I know it's it's a little bit dependent upon industry and ACV and things like that, but like as a percentage wise, do you do you have any data there? Because I know you track this stuff like a hawk. I, I, I the answer is yes, I have the data, but I, I have I haven't really crunched it that way, just because in certain industries, you know, the 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 targets are different. 
Um, right. And also, and really a big variable there is um, if you have, let's just use an SDR team or BDR team, whatever you want to call it, as an example here. Um, if you have a uh, like a 60, 70% inbound lead flow and then the rest of it's outbound, right? The, the targets are way higher because you're dealing with inbound leads. If you're talking about a dedicated SDR team that's only doing outbound, right? The targets are going to be lower. So the, the, I, I'd really, I'd be interested in, in playing around with that data, Ryan. I, I don't have any specific data point that I can tell you right now, but from, from just my own observation, um, if, if you have a team that most reps are hiding behind email, right? Let's just only talk about outbound here. Let's talk about inbound too. mix it together, right? If you're following up with an inbound lead, that's outbound. If sure. it's a stale inbound lead that, you know, downloaded a white paper a month ago and you're, you're calling them, that's an outbound call. That's a cold call. So I kind of consider it the same thing there. Uh, it, you know, it really is an inbound lead when they set up an, uh, it, they online, they'll set up a meeting with you and that meeting scheduled. Okay. That's an inbound lead. It's a little different, but in terms of just following up, doing cold calls inbound and outbound, if, if the cold call is part of the daily workflow, like consistently, the ROI on that versus if they were only doing email, you know, it could easily be 10 X easily. Yeah. I can tell you that easily 10 X. Um, and, 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 and now that, you've got me sense. interested. Now well, you've got me makes... interested in playing with my data to really find out the actual answer to that, but it's easily 10 X. No that makes a lot of sense to me because when we were, I was tracking this stuff pretty heavily at the sales developers, outsource sales development as a service company. And yeah. at first we were doing emailing and phone as a part of our program. We launched with connect and sell and outreach. And um, uh, when I looked back on the first year uh, and there was a few thousand meetings that had been scheduled, I looked at this, uh, what initiated the meeting? Was it the call first or was it the email? Right. So what was what was initiating the conversation? Ninety five percent of all the meetings scheduled started with the phone first. Only five percent were like a true cold email response that that then moved into a meeting. Um, and so from that point on, I had looked at, OK, so if ninety five percent of the production was happening via the phone first, mm -hmm. um, half of our time was spent setting up email sequences, warming up domains getting approval from clients to run the messaging. It was it was a, a lot of work for only 5% yeah. of the production. So we ripped out email, cold email altogether. And I haven't looked back um, yeah. since then, since because I exited the sales developers right before the pandemic. I've been tracking cold email. HubSpot produces this data and they have a been like a tracker. Sales mm -hmm. emails are up over like a hundred and something percent, the actual send volume and the yeah. responses are down. Uh, like 38%. So yeah. if, if the if the production was 95.5 before the pandemic and HubSpot is reporting on over 100,000 customers, by the way, this is across many ver verticals, industries, et cetera. Uh, if, that's the, if that's the truth, then, mm -hmm. um, then I wouldn't be surprised that you get about 10X lift on productivity with that phone first mindset. And I love yeah. the idea that you're thinking, I like to call it proactive calling, not necessarily cold calling. Because mm -hmm. the reality is, if you don't expect my call, that's a cold call. That's how I define it. Or you could call it a, an unscheduled proactive call. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know. But for today, mm -hmm. when we get into the calling, these are going to be 100% cold calls. These were lists that I had generated and completely cold called. So you're going to get a feel for what it's like going after them. And before we get into the live calls, uh, Greg, I did want to talk a little bit about the mindset piece. So there's one thing saying, okay, let's rip off the Band-Aid. But do you have any 
tips, tricks, best practices for folks that are tuning in around, uh, you know, how they can prepare themselves or how they can develop that mental muscle of just ripping off the Band-Aid? Uh, I, I know you share that idea around, you know, tinkering, tinkering, and then you get into the flow state. But uh, yeah. is there any tips you have for <clears throat> folks that, that want to maybe be a little bit more productive on the phone? Yeah. So people tend not to do things because they can't visualize themselves doing doing it. And we're all that way. It's it's um, it's the reason why if you have an objective with a quota, for instance, and you're a salesperson and you haven't achieved that yet, um, when you're working up to it for the first time, there's a little bit of you know question in your mind. Am I going to be able to achieve this? This is I've never broken this record. But then when you achieve it, it becomes table stakes for you. And that becomes just sort of automatic in most cases, at least the way you think about it, right? The, the difference between before you achieved it and after you achieved it, it really all it is is that you can now visualize yourself doing it. That's really important to understand, okay? So people tend not to do what they can't visualize, visualize themselves doing. Now, this is important for, for people making cold calls, but it's also important for the prospect, and we're going to get into that in a little while here. But just focusing on people making cold calls, you know, how do you, like, how do you use that, that, that reality to your advantage? If, if you're a newer rep and you're uncomfortable making cold calls, everybody's uncomfortable, but it's, you know, really a case of how uncomfortable are you, right? Then it's probably because you can't really visualize yourself doing it and you're asking yourself the wrong kinds of questions. You're overanalyzing, you're creating movies in your head. What happens if they ask me this and I don't know the answer? And then you're coming up with a reason to procrastinate. Let me go research this first. That's not what you want to do. So the, the, the core anxiety is if you, if you really distill it down, and I ask reps that go through my training programs, you know, give me an anonymous feedback to this question. One of the times I ask them, you know, what is it you're really afraid of? And they say, well, what happens if like, I just don't know the answer to something? Well, the reality of it is, is if you don't know the answer to something, that's, you can turn that into an amazing opportunity for yourself. Don't try, to, don't try and make up an answer. If you don't know the answer to something, there's two things you can do. Number one, you can tell them you don't know the answer to whatever they just asked you and you don't want to give them incorrect information. So what you're going to do is you're going to talk internally and what you'll do is you get back to them today with more information to see if it makes sense to continue the conversation. So that's a graceful way to bail because what you're doing to make that an opportunity is you're, you're inserting what I call a mini contract, which is simple. You're saying you're going to do something and then you do it. Now, Ryan, if I did that with you, it wouldn't really resonate because you know me. There's other content to go on. You subconsciously already have a perception of me and you know that forms how you feel. That's already been done. But if you don't know me, everything that I'm doing is happening under a microscope. Our subconscious does this with everything. Our brain does this with everything. And this is what dictates how we feel about things and how we feel about people, okay? An example, if Ryan, I come to your house and I walk in and I maybe make a joke that kind of offends you a little bit, right? You notice it for a minute, but it doesn't really change the fact that we're friends. If I bring somebody you don't know to your house and they make the same joke and it kind of offends you a little bit, how do you feel about that person? You don't like them. Yeah, you're not gonna like them. Yeah. No, so that's why this is important. So if you don't know what to say, use that. Now, the second thing is, you know, the anxiety around, I, you know, what happens if I get, you know, deer in headlights on this call? <laughs> okay, that never really happens. But if it does happen, 
all you have to do to get rid of that anxiety is just prepare, you know, a two sentence statement to bail, which is very similar to the first example, right? I, I, let me get back to you. I want to make sure that I'm not taking your time for no reason. I'm going to talk to some folks internally. Let me send you some more context uh, later today, and um, we'll see if it makes sense to continue the conversation. And just bail gracefully, right? If you know you have that, it's just psychological. If you know you have that, that anxiety is gone. So now, you're, now what you're dealing with um, are, is, is a smaller sort of pile of issues to, to kind of get over before you rip that Band-Aid off. Um, the other thing I'll say, Ryan, is sometimes... It's in, here's something interesting. When, when a rep gets hired in a company, even if they're like a more seasoned salesperson, if, and you can do this too, check it out, it's interesting. Ask that person to describe to you in a couple of sentences what the company does. What's the value proposition? Yeah. Right? And it's digestible in most cases, almost all cases, because it mirrors their simplistic view and their, and their, their knowledge set on how to answer that question, right? Go ask the founder of the company the same question, and you won't even understand the answer. <laughs> you won't even understand the answer. So uh, that's, I mean, I, I, I play with this. Like, this is what happens. If you, if you don't know a lot about something and you're doing outbound, that's an advantage. So, you know, what I do is I actually purposefully gate my knowledge about things so I don't over-explain. Yes. yes. So you, you just need to know enough about the persona, their pain points, you know, very simplistic way of explaining what the company does and what the value is. And that is it, because you're not calling to explain more than that. You're calling to give them enough of a reason to have a longer conversation with someone else, in most cases without bound. I love that. And that's, that actually answers one of these questions that just, that just came in here. What should we go with a cold call? Quick discovery call, set up discovery call, anything else? And I yeah. think you just, you just hit that. So when you're cold calling, you know, our, our, our job isn't to go into full on discovery and be prepared for every little, you know, get some intrigue, get mm -hmm. a little bit of information to make sure it's worth the next conversation and, yeah. and get that, that contract to take, take another time at a, at a scheduled date to, yeah. uh, to have that discussion. Um, if you're trying to do a lot more on a true cold call, you know, on a true cold call, um, you're not going to get much further than that, right? It's unscheduled, proactive conversation. Now, from time to time, you might get somebody who wants to be a, uh, to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. Uh, but that that's how I feel about cold calls. How do you feel about the warmer stuff, like the inbound, maybe requests that went dormant, et cetera? Is there a different intent uh, from your perspective? Yeah. It, well, so the, the inbounds are, are going to be not, they're not going to be as, quote, caught off guard in the same way. They, they weren't expecting your, your follow-up call, but they at least have a mental picture of what this is about. So in the beginning of an inbound call, you know, the, the thing you need to do immediately, beginning of really any cold call, is you need to connect the dot between where they are right now and how you're familiar to them. So, it, I mean, it's, it's not fancy to do this. It's not hard. You just basically say, look, the first thing out of your mouth, first and last name using a tonality that conveys they don't know who you are, so you don't create a lingering question. Your company name, and then a few words as to how it's relevant to them. You know, you inquired with us about a month ago um, on XYZ. Quiet. You'll hear them with you. They'll make a noise. The reason for my call, boom, you're in. That's an inbound call, right? Yep. Um, somebody in, in the chat mentioned something. I mean, it's, we, we kind of just talked about this, but it, it's, it's really worth underlining it. Before you make a cold call, even if it's the same kind of call you're always making, right? Have a notebook in front of you and always just write down the goal. It works. It helps keep you calibrated mentally. When the conversation goes in different directions, it helps keep you focused. 
it's really, really important to do that every single time, get into a habit doing that. I do it every time I, I get on the phone, right? And the reality of it is, is if you don't do that, you know, you're in the moment, the conversation can go in any direction. And then you realize at the end of the call after, after it's over that you kind of lost sight of what the objective was. You didn't really check that box. That was the full reason you were calling. Yep. I see that so often uh, with reps just getting started, is, especially once they've had an opportunity to really get through an, a, an entire call. Questions yeah. are going back and forth. They get super excited. And then there's no ask. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of no ends. It's just like, all right, so. All right, see you later. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> no, be of the mind, be of the mind that um, you're, you're approaching somebody in a thoughtful way because you know something about them. If you don't know something about them, meaning if you don't even know what their company does, then don't call them right? Because you won't be in the right mindset. You'll be in the mindset that, you know, you're doing this sort of awkward job and you're probably annoying some people, maybe just law of averages. Some people will say, you know, okay, they'll, they'll stay on the phone with you. You don't even want to go there. You've got to be of the mind that the only reason you're calling these people is because you selected them. And you're not, you're not just calling down a list, you're approaching them because of something specific and relevant to them, something about them that you're aware of that's also relevant to you. And it just changes the way that you articulate what you're saying. And most of what is happening on a cold call that matters is how you're saying it, not the words that you're using, right? And if you're in that mindset and you're in the mindset if you're doing B2B that, you know, this is the business day and you're calling somebody at their business about business and this is what business people do. Just control your internal vernacular about what it is you're doing. It'll change everything. And lastly, I'll say this, this sounds a little unconventional, but you know, my filter for things is, does it work? If the answer is yes, then I say it. So here it is. The alter ego approach is really critical um, to understand, especially if you're a newer rep. It goes back to people tend not to do things because they can't visualize themselves doing it. And athletes use this a lot. You know, people use this a lot, but it really, really works for cold calling, right? So if you're, if you're maybe not so experienced making cold calls, whatever, and you're kind of nervous about it, can you visualize me doing it? Can you visualize Ryan doing it? We do this with stuff around us anyway without even consciously realizing it. But if you can visualize somebody else doing it and you like the way they do it, it sounds elegant, they, the way they say this, um, then just visualize yourself as that person and make the call. I know that sounds weird, but it is insane what it does. I listen to recordings, I tell reps to do this, and I listen to before and after, and you can literally hear it. And you know, they pick up mannerisms from other people that they're, that they're visualizing themselves doing it as. And it just removes resistance. You don't have to do that forever, but if you if you need to break the ice, that's a great way to do it. Uh, it works. So try that. On that note, I think that's a great transition into let's do it, let's do it right? So yeah. uh, the last half of this session here, we're going to go through some real live calls uh, that I did uh, just last Friday. So this was less than a couple days ago. Uh, it was literally the last day of the quarter. So you'll hear some of these are a little bit busy. We're targeting sales leaders and some CEOs uh, for Cognizant. Uh, the data has been scrubbed out. The reason why we didn't do it live live is uh, we want to make sure we're sharing the other sides of the calls here. So you're going to hear both sides of the conversations. We're going to play the calls through and we're going to get some live calling. There's no scrubbing any of the bad out, the good, bad. These are literally call for call for call. So I, I called for a little bit less than an, an hour and there's going to be like six calls that are uh, the connects that had happened. Uh, so we're going to go through those and we're going to get some live coaching I have my pen and pad here for feedback and um, we're going to play the call. Greg's going to give some feedback. We're going to play the call. 
uh, get some feedback. So we got another 30 minutes or so on the show. We'll probably leave five to 10 minutes at the end for Q and a, uh, assuming the coaching doesn't take too long, but, uh, uh, we'll get right into it. Uh, Greg, let's make let's sure this it. works here. Uh, so this is going to be to the next. Hello. That's me. How can I help you? Hey, this is uh, Ryan Reiser with Cognizant. Okay. Uh, you weren't actually expecting my call. It's uh, the first time I've reached you. Uh, do you mm -hmm. mind if I take uh, a half a minute to share exactly what I was calling? No, no, brother. Uh, can you call me back on Monday or Tuesday? It's just too much in my head right now, and I'm dealing with too many things. So call me back on Monday or Tuesday, okay? Yeah, that's not a problem. Uh, I know I'm catching at the end of the month here. Is there a specific time that might work best uh, Monday or Tuesday? No, no, I don't care about the end of the month. I care about projects that I'm doing in my house today, and I'm not working in the office. So okay. call me on Monday, okay? Yeah, uh, can I just confirm? I want to make sure I have the right information for you still. Are you still the uh, sales director over there at M? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, I'll Thanks. make a note to call back. Have a great day. All right, bye. All right, so the first one's there. Okay, look, um, and you know, this is this is kind of consistent with with I think all your calls that I've listened to at least. Um, one of the things I really like about what you're doing, and it's really worth everybody noting this, uh, to some people listening to this, because I know you're doing it deliberately, it might sound like you're tripping over yourself a little bit in the beginning of the call. Mm -hmm. You need to do that, and what you're really doing there is you're you're starting out real slow. So there's no chance of the prospect saying, what was your name again? Because as soon as they do that, they're the ones commanding the responses and you kind of lost control over the call. So you, you say your name, you know, using a, a tonality that conveys they don't know who you are, right? And a speed that is when they pick up the phone and their brains spin around on overdrive trying to figure out what this is, a speed that they can digest without forming a lingering question that's going to trip them up and confuse them. Um, who was it calling me again? So you you say, hi, uh, my name is Ryan Reiser. Like, I don't need you to repeat that because you said it slow enough, I caught it. It's like if you walk up to somebody and just throw a baseball at them and they're not expecting it, it's going to hit them in the face. <laughs> right? You got to let them know you're getting ready to throw the ball. And I like how yep. you did that. Um, the, the other thing I'll say here is in, in this case, um, the prospect was just, you know, the prospect was doing other things. When... The prospect, when you've talked to the prospect and they, they need to get off the phone, you know, your gut will tell you in the moment if, if it's, I need to get off the phone because I'm in the middle of something else, I'm not able to engage, but I'm open to it some other time, let them go immediately. The speed in which you let them go, right, the speed in which you let them go will serve you because you're going to call them back. And when you call them back, the reason you're calling becomes because you said you would. Because I told you I would. And that's a completely different way to start a call. So in, in a situation like this, you know, where they, look, I, I, I got to go. I can't, I can't do anything right now. Just call me on Monday. No problem. I understand. Don't worry about it. I'll call you on Monday. Boom. Make a note of that. Call them on Monday and say, look, you know, I caught you on Friday. I think you were probably moving. Um, I promised I'd call you back today. Is this a better time? People will always remember how you made them feel especially at this stage, and they really don't remember much about what you say. It's the way we are. If you let them off quickly, yield back their time immediately. It's a form of courtesy. And ne they never get to that point where they feel, you know, like, I, I need to get off the phone. I already told you that. That's going to serve you. The opposite is, is if you, if you ask 
you know, start asking questions when they tell you they need to go, they hang up. Now it's really hard to call them back because it's kind of awkward, right? If they'll even pick up at all. So that's something I would have done differently there. Um, it wasn't an issue here. You know, you asked a couple of questions. Um, I'm assuming the data you're using will, will, you know, if you go to LinkedIn, you can see if the person's still at, you know, at that company in that role, you know, that might be something to, to, to do. So you don't have to ask that question. I understand why, why you would want to ask that question. Um, so that's, that's kind of the feedback on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think that I love the, the feedback there and the change I'll make too. So from a follow-up perspective, I always note, um, you know, obviously date and time when I made a call. And mm -hmm. in situations like that, I have specific language words that they use, right? So I now know that he was, it wasn't the end of the month, but I could use the head. I called you. I thought it was the end of the month, but you were actually doing some stuff with your home. Yeah. Uh, and you asked for a call back. What that does when I get into the conversation uh, is it, it makes it so much easier to get to what I call a completion, right? You don't get another brush off. If it yeah. was a true brush off there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What's this about? So that's how I, but I love what you're saying is like, I'm calling you back because I said I would. Mm -hmm. um, adding that addition, I think, makes it even more powerful because again, you're, you're doing the things you said you were, and you're having that consistency as you, as you stated in the, in the pre-show. Um, yeah. So I love that. love that feedback. Um, and in terms of how I believe in this, so again, from my perspective, I always call people who I know pick up the phone because I've run them through my process, answer some of these questions that are coming in. It's a combination. Some of these are mobile. Some of them are direct. You'll actually see one goes through a gatekeeper, I think today. So it's a combination yep. of all of them, but they have been pre-validated as phone picker uppers. So I know that these are people who pick up the phone because they picked up the phone before. And what that means is I don't have to be so pressured to like try yeah. to get a bit of better, better information. And the reason why I always like to confirm title like company is um, sometimes in this modern world today, even at LinkedIn, you're finding people have just moved. So yeah. if I can just get that little piece of information again, like, okay, you started there. Okay, perfect. It's relevant. That's I'm going to give you a call back. I know it's, and I can reference that again in my follow-up. And you mentioned you're still the director of sales over here. So I can, I can actually set context quickly in the follow-up. And that's why that's yeah. why I asked that question. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question to ask if 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 you have the concern of maybe they aren't in that role anymore, uh, even though it says they are on LinkedIn, which happens. Um, but you have to go with your gut, in my opinion, as to, you know, should I try to push that question out? They're trying to get off the phone. Yep. yep. Your gut's going to be right about it, you know, if it's okay or not, usually. Yep. No, I love that. And the, the, the lack or the under the situational awareness of like not going too far, you yeah. know, is perfect. All right, let's move to the second one here. And this is actually, right. like I said, this one's going to be going past the gatekeeper. It looks like. Okay. Uh, Good afternoon. How may I help you? Uh, please. Okay. One moment, please. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for holding. This is how can I help you? Hey, this is uh, Ryan. Ricer with Cognizant. Um, Hi Ryan, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. I appreciate you asking here. Uh, you actually weren't expecting my call. This is the the first time I reached you. Uh, do you mind if I take a half a minute to share exactly why I called? Uh, sure. How can I help? Oh, perfect. Um, well, really, the purpose of my call today was just to see if we could find some time um, on your calendar to introduce my company. Um, that way, I'm not calling you out of the blue here. I was wondering if you might have some time maybe next Tuesday or Wednesday after we wrap up the end of month here. Um, yeah, sure. What were you at? Uh, but my caller ID, you're not calling out of Florida, are you? Uh, the, the caller ID that I have might be coming out of Florida. We use a dialing system that, so we own a batch of numbers, so by state. 
there's there's some numbers, but uh, we're a global company. Uh, I personally am based in California. Okay, yeah, I just we have three different sales departments here. I just don't want to step on any toes. Make sure you're in the talking to the right people. Yeah, well, um, have you heard of my company, Cognizant? Are you familiar with us at all? No, I, I don't think you guys have bought from us before. I don't see you here in our um, oh in our customer list. Yeah, th this is uh, right. Yeah, yeah, this is oh, oh, okay. And you're there's not a couple. So you're still the VP of operations over there. Uh, yeah, more or less. I I just handled uh, the Northeast sales territory. Okay. Yeah, so the reason I was reaching out is not 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 as a customer here. I was reaching out uh, to introduce our company. Um, you know what we do is uh, we have a platform that helps organizations. Uh, so you're in a sales position now, so we can help you tell which companies are actively looking into services like yours or maybe even your competitors, and then we supplement that with uh, mobile numbers, verified emails, uh, things like that, so that your team can get out and have more sales conversations and spend less time manually prospecting. Um, just out of curiosity, uh, what kind of tools are you guys using today to, to bring in new business? Um, we pretty much just rely on Google advertising, I believe. Oh, okay. Google ads? Yeah, yeah, they just run Google ads for fiber and then uh, we, we get the, the leads and done. Okay. Well, this this potentially could be a fit for whoever's running those ads, but also from an individual contributor position, do you ever find yourself in a position where uh, you may have had a good conversation, but you need to maybe look up somebody else within an organization and, and do any outbound uh, directly? Or is that something that's not really uh, a part of the go-to-market for, for the organization today? Um, no, that doesn't sound familiar with what I do. Okay. Yeah, this might not be a direct fit for you, Parker, um, but um, if you guys are running Google Ads, there may be a fit for a conversation with the, uh, whoever's running the marketing side of things. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that would be... Yeah. There's two of them? What's, yeah, the uh, father and son, they kind of uh, uh, tag team it. Gotcha. And, uh, father and son, what's their last names? Uh, Okay. And they're the ones that run marketing? Yeah, they handle the Google ads and uh, business, new inbound business and all that. Okay. Do you happen to have a, a good extension for either of those? I can reach out to them directly if, if that's a Yeah, I, uh, I can transfer you. They're not in the office today, but I could transfer this extension if you'd like. Oh, that'd be fantastic. All right, just a moment. Thanks for your help. You have reached the mailbox for extension 105. Hey, this is Ryan Racer calling with Cognizant. I uh, just had a conversation with over on the sales side, and he actually mentioned I might have a better uh, success talking with you or perhaps uh, as I understand you're, you're responsible for the uh, marketing initiatives, running Google Ads, etc. Uh, wanted to see if we might be able to find some time next week when you're back in the office uh, for a brief introductory conversation. If you're around available, my number here directly is, again, this is Ryan with Cognizant, was referred your way by, and my number directly is, thank you. Marathon, all right. There it is, I was just taking some notes. 
Okay, let me pull this one apart. Um, you know, you do this all, all the time. So your tonality, we don't have to get into that. Your tonality is very natural. Um, you know, I know how many times you make the same call over and over again. It never really sounds like that. Um, so all the stuff I said before about the intro and, the, and the, the way you say your name, the speed, box checked, right? Um, a couple of things, there's a couple of things here that I want to just kind of talk about. Um, nobody has a time machine. If you could go back and, you know, make little tweaks to certain things, you know, I would do that to my own calls every single time. So this is just the way I like to think about it. Um, one of the things that I, I, I don't personally do, but I, I, I kind of like it. Uh, I think you probably got it from someone else. Uh, maybe you've been doing it for a while is, you know, just telling them in the beginning that you don't know who I am um, or we've never spoken. You know, I, I guess that that's, that's, uh, I guess that accomplishes, it accomplishes relevant clarity to a degree, which is what I focus on in the beginning of the call. So in the beginning of the call, they need to immediately form a mental picture that's, that's familiar to them. That's also relevant in some way to you until that happens. The, they, they won't be present with you. You will continue talking, but they're going to be hung up on a lingering question because their brain needs that. It needs that before they can be present with you and, and basically uh, absorb what you're saying with the context that you want them to. And what you'll hear if you don't achieve relevant clarity in the very beginning of the call is you'll get through the call, you're listening to the recording, and then halfway through the call, the prospect goes, uh, what does your company do? And you just, it's like getting kicked in the face. I mean, like now you have to go all the way back to the beginning again, right? And, and the reason why was it wasn't because you were, the way you were talking wasn't, you know, the right tonality and the right cadence. It was just because they weren't listening. It's like if you can think of a time you're reading a book and your mind goes off on some random thing. And then you come to that point where you're like, you know, I don't really know what it was. I just read for the last three pages. I was thinking about something else. That happens in a second, like a, like a fraction of a second on a cold call. So we need to, we need to, um, we need to create relevant clarity in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you some ideas on how to do that. The other thing is, um, well, I'll give you some ideas how to do that right now. Cause it'll make the other point make sense. Ryan Reiser, uh, calling with cognizum. Okay. Cognizum doesn't mean anything to anyone that doesn't know what cognizum is. So just if it's a cold call, just assume they don't know what it is. And I, you know, most tech companies have funny names. And if it's a really funny name, they get hung up on How do I pronounce that? That's not my point. Cognizant. Now I want to say something that will promote a mental picture that they're familiar with. And this, this cannot include business speak. This cannot sound like marketing. This has to be like a three-year-old would say it. So I'd say, hi, uh, my name's Ryan Reisert. I'm calling with Cognizant. We provide companies with uh, contact data for outbound prospecting. Um, we haven't spoken before and then move into the call. I don't have to burn any mental calories to form a mental picture of a company that provides contact data for outbound prospecting, especially if outbound prospecting is relevant to me. If I run a team, for instance. Yep. So that's relevant clarity. And, you know, if you, if you achieve that in the very beginning of the call, they're with you. Right. And that's important. The, the other thing is um, what I would do, uh, what I would try and tweak here is, you use what I call a label, which is excellent, but you, I think you're using it a little too soon on this call. Label is, you know, the reason for my call. That needs to come, a it needs to come after the relevant clarity. Because if, if, if you're asking them a question on a cold call, even though it's a low friction ask, it's not some real commitment, you're not asking them to buy anything. But if you're asking them a question that you want the answer to be yes to, 
you're still dealing with an emotional decision process on a cold call, the yes question is always going to create resistance. It doesn't matter what the question is. Do you like red? It, it'll create resistance, right? So before that yes question, I need to make sure that you have relevant clarity. You're with me. And I need to make sure that I've given you proper context to defuse that yes question. Right. So if I, if I called you and said, Hey, uh, Greg, what are, what are strategies? You're like, I don't really know what, what are strategies is. And I'm like, the reason I'm calling, I wanted to see if we can set up a meeting next week. I haven't given you a reason yet to do it. So what, what's the answer going to be? It's going to be no. Right. So, so that's, that's really key. And so we can't read a book to them before we ask them that question. So this is where the planning come, comes in. We need to really think about how we want to design this call and then just be natural about it. Right. Give them an, a reason just enough, not too much, just enough to have that call with you. And the best and the fastest way to do that is to use an observation about them. Look, I, I see that you just ramped up headcount after Series B. Um, the reason I'm calling, I was wondering if we could have a, uh, set up some time next week to have a, a conversation about Cognizant. We work with companies in your space. And again, we provide the, the lead data, uh, verified lead data for their sales teams. So I just wanna show you a few things to see if it makes sense to have a longer conversation. I've given you a reason. It's about you. I've conveyed that I know something about you with an observation. So the way you do that at scale is you look at your list and you say, okay, well, this is my ICP list. Maybe there's three groups of personas. You know, One group might have a few titles in it, like VP and CRO, I consider one persona. And I put them in the, and you call it buckets. I put them in buckets and then I spend the time at the list level personalizing, thinking about what observation for this bucket of 5,000 people can I use? It doesn't sound like I'm trying to use an observation to paint a broad brush with. Similar companies, you know, that's, yeah. uh, don't do that, <laughs> right? Uh, we work with B2B tech companies specifically in the cybersecurity space. That's a bucket, right? Even though you work with others too, but you also work with cybersecurity. Yeah. Um, hiring reps is a bucket. Just raise Series B is a bucket. Has SDRs is a bucket. If you call them BDRs, so do I that kind of a thing. And it allows you to use that observation. The observation is the most powerful thing you can use on a cold call because it brings the prospect into the conversation by automatically giving them a reason to be in it, right? It puts them in the picture. And when they're in the picture, they listen to it differently and they have context that is gonna serve you. Context that you want them to have, you know, the lens that you want them to look through when you're talking. Love it. So uh, you'll see in these calls, I'm running a, a specific framework that shifts the context later in the call. And that's by design as well. So um, yeah. so you'll see that the pattern's going to continue here. Unfortunately, this isn't live. We go and take take action on it because I would love to go in and like be able to take the coaching and get to the next connect. We won't be able to do that today. But your framework makes total sense around um, that mental clarity before yeah. getting into the next phase. And that's that's the conversation design that you talked about at the beginning of the call. So um, yep. really good stuff. Um, there's a question that popped in here before we go to the next recording and I want to keep going so we can get into as many of these lives as possible. But uh, someone asked about getting past the gatekeeper. A lot of times people overcomplicate that, that particular, yep. that particular, uh, there it is right there, that particular uh, account. Um, there's two different types of people who uh, answer phones. There's what I would call a gatekeeper, and then there's operators. That's yeah. not technically a gatekeeper. It, it was an operator. All I have to do is call and say, Greg Woodward, please shut up. Call was transferred. Yeah. A lot of times what people do is they call and then they start pitching to the person who answered the phone. Yeah. Very exactly. bad idea. <laughs> and so you you feel like there's a lot more gatekeepers than 
there really are. Um, so that's how I got through here. Is all I did was say, hey, Greg Wood, please. Uh, Greg Woodward, please. Yeah. Or I might say, is Greg running around there today? And just shut up. Uh, yeah. So that's how you get past that. If you get into the 411 with a gatekeeper, then uh, this is someone who's truly asking you questions. And by the way, this is like maybe 1% of all data where there's someone like this. And I can show you guys this. I have like legitimate outcomes called blocked by gatekeeper. Um, those types of conversations are a little bit different, but you're going to start the same way. If they start asking what's this about, so on and so forth, you're going to answer. You're with this company, so on. And, and then basically, you're just keep saying, hey, sounds like Greg might be busy. Is there any opportunity you could transfer me through to the voicemail? And by asking for that, a lot of times you just get transferred. And more often than not these days, the person will pick up on the other side. Uh, yeah, so it's true. don't pitch to the gatekeeper. You're just looking to go through. Uh, gatekeeper could just be an operator, and you're going to get through more often than not. If you get to a true gatekeeper, someone who owns that person's schedule, it's not very common. And I would still run the tactic of trying to get through. And if, if that's a high-value target and they're not letting you transfer, there's two options. One. You likely shouldn't call through it or two if you get value from learning from them because they truly mm -hmm. do have the calendar. It's, it's a very rare oddity, but they, they are the person that controls the calendar. Then you can take that step back and say something like, hey, maybe you can help me. Uh, and then you get into the discussion. But it's a very different conversation. 99% of the time, you don't really have a gatekeeper. You have someone who's going to transfer the call for you. So focus yeah. on getting the transfer. Don't focus on pitching. Um, so yeah, that, right on, right on. And I think I, it beeped, so I didn't... Um... I know how you make these calls. It's, it's when you deal with an operator, it's the same exact way I do it. You don't say your name in most cases. You just say, uh, can you connect me with Ryan Reichert's office, please? Yep. Because their job is just to put the call through. That's all they really want to do. They're not there to screen you. And they, they, they won't unless you really give them a reason to. Like if you called and say, hi, um, this is Ryan Reichert with Cognizant. I'm wondering if you can connect me with. Yes, that's exactly don't do right. That. Don't do that. <laughs> <You're done>. just, <laughs> no. Hey, Greg Wood, please. Yeah. They're probably going to patch you through. So yeah. let's move on in interest of time. I wanted to answer that one. We got 12 minutes left. So hopefully we can get through a couple more of these live. Um, really good feedback. Loving this yeah. so far. Greg. Hello. Hi. Is this yes. Uh, hey, this is Ryan Reisert uh, calling with Cognizant. Uh, you actually uh -huh. weren't, you weren't expecting my call. This is the first time I've reached you. Uh, do you mind if I take a half a minute to share exactly why I called? Yes. Okay. Um, so the purpose of my call really was just to see if uh, we could find some time for an introductory call to introduce our company. Um, that way I'm not calling you out of the blue here. Uh, I was curious if you might have some time uh, maybe next Tuesday or Wednesday uh, once we uh, get past the end of the month here. What is it regarding? Oh, yeah. Um, my company is Cognizant. Are you familiar with us at all? Does the name ring a bell? No. Mm -mm. Uh, that's not a problem. Uh, I still, I have you as the, I was just on your LinkedIn page here. You're still the new business uh, sales manager over there. Is that mm -hmm. right? Correct. Oh, okay, perfect. So what Cognizant is, is we are a platform that can help tell you which companies are actually actively looking into services like yours or your competitors. And uh, we can supplement that information with mobile numbers, uh, direct dials, verified emails. So you as a new business development leader uh, and your team can have more conversations and spend less time manually prospecting. Uh, does that sound like something you'd be interested in learning a little bit more about uh, in the next week or two? What I would encourage you to do is to look within our organization and reach out to a marketing person. 
and see if it's a program that they want to add in is what I would encourage you to do. Okay. I don't uh, actually have a contact because we are in transition right now. So that's what I would um, encourage you to maybe reach out to a marketing lead within the group and ask them. Okay. Is that because marketing is directly responsible for pro providing the data to the news business uh, sales team? Well, they build things for us for yes, for ourselves. Okay. Campaigns and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, are there any tools you're using today um, that's helping you with uh, listening? I'm not sure. You would need to ask them. Yeah, you would need to ask them. Okay. So it's not I don't your know purview the at all. programs that they're using. <clears throat> Got it. Okay. So you don't have any tools that like help you off of LinkedIn or uh, grab contact information. Well, I have Sales Navigator and stuff like that. But, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is a this is a, a system that would uh, supplement Sales Navigator really effectively. Um, so it's mm -hmm. a, uh, while you're in Sales Navigator, there's a, a plugin that pops up over mm -hmm. the top of, of Navigator. So if you find a mm -hmm. contact that you're reaching out to, so say it looks like you do a lot of trade shows and things like that, networking events, things like that. Mm -hmm. While you're connecting with somebody, you could actually find their direct contact information um, right from their profile. Um, no, I understand. And like I said, what I would encourage you to do is contact someone because anything that's implemented, or even if I, you, you know, it it needs to be within the organization. You know, large, you know, working with a larger corporation like this, this is how it works. Even my sales navigator is through Informa. Oh, of course, so yeah, yeah. So, so uh huh. So we're we're reaching out. Typically, we start with folks to make sure there's interest, a business case, and things like that. Uh, so if you're interested, it wouldn't be necessarily a sales call where I expect you to show up and swipe your card. It's more about uh, evaluating a little bit more about how you go about your new business development process, mm -hmm. and then and then uh, show you a little bit more about how it works. And if if at that point it looks like it's something worth exploring at the organization. Uh, then we we can take it up through the more traditional procurement process. Do you ever mm -hmm. take time to evaluate tools and just kind of look at what's new on the market? To... No, not right. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. okay. Not unless they come to us with it. Uh -huh. Gotcha. Okay. And there's, there's nobody... a whole team that does that. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> gotcha. And you know, I don't spend time doing that. Uh huh. And that's done through marketing leadership, you said. But you I would know... start there. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. you don't know who might be the best point of contact at all. By name, I would just search like how you found me. I would search that and then start there. But start within the marketing. Okay. Division is what I would All do. Right. Okay. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. You too. <laughs> that is what I would encourage you to do. That woman really. <laughs> that woman really annoyed me. Uh, wow. Uh, so there's a lot of things that I love about what, the way you handled that. We're going to get into all that, but let me ask you, what persona was that? She was a new business development leader. Like that was like literally. Her title said uh, new business development sales, director of new business development sales. Okay, so, so like, director persona. They're not decision makers typically. Um, yeah. This, well, is so, a, this is a VP play. Yeah, it's, it's some, sometimes it's hard. It's really hard. Again, this is like a, the list that I'm working on is for Cognizant is their super SMBs, which was interesting. She's saying bigger companies. So it should have been like super SMBs and then director and above in yeah. business development or. CEOs, there's some CEOs on this list, and then there's uh, sometimes uh, demand gen or, or marketing leadership as well. So okay. That particular one is like a 
director of new business development of like a should be a smaller company, which is sometimes like the sales leader, right? You just don't know until you have the conversation. That's why it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there was the wrong persona for this, for this call in this particular case, obviously, because yeah. they weren't the ones that handled that. You were getting emotional objections. This person sounds like they were asleep and they probably spend most of the day asleep. I, I hate it when I run into people like that, but I use it as batting practice. And I think that's kind of what you did. I loved how you did it. Um, you, you did what I call looping, right? So you acknowledged, you know, sure, I can do that. And then you asked a question, which in this particular case was a qualification question. I tried to write it down quickly. I don't remember the exact question. It was, are you using uh, tools for X, right? This person you're dealing with, you're dealing with somebody who just wants to kick the can down the road and doesn't really want to do any thinking or burn any mental calories doing anything. So you get the, you just get the sluggish sort of push off response and they just keep saying, repeating themselves like a robot. Oh, you go to marketing. I think you should probably recommend. I don't know anybody there though, because I don't actually go to work. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so, you know, play with those when you get them, it, it's just good batting practice. The call is not going to go anywhere when that happens in most cases, but let's yeah. just pretend that you were dealing with somebody that, um, you know, had, you know, just minor interest in doing their job. And I, I know I sound harsh, but I can't stand it when I get people like that because it just, I wonder why a company hired them, but, um, it, it, it's the truth. I'm just very blunt about it. Um, what you did beautifully was you, you continued to keep the conversation going. So when you get an emotional objection, usually. Uh, it's, there's nothing really logical behind it. So uh, the thing to do is, is instead of trying to solve it by saying, no, you're wrong, I'm right, and here's why, which you didn't do, which is awesome, you just acknowledge it. And then you ask a, a question that requires more than a yes or no answer, which is exactly what you did multiple times. The beautiful thing, which is really what I liked about this, is that the question that you asked was a qualification question, meaning it's a question you kind of need to know the answer to before you can advance the sales process anyway. Yeah. And if this person, you know, you know, spoke in, in, in sentences longer than three words, they probably would have told you things that you could use, you could take notes on it, and you could use as, a, as an additional reason why, like, look, I'm happy to go to marketing, but, um, you know, the, the reason I called you is because, and then state an observation about them, and then state something that they just said, you know, some, some detail that they just mentioned to you in response to a qualification question, and just say, look, here's the observation, um, and if... XYZ is the case, um, defuse them. And again, I'm happy to go to marketing, but you know, that said, I do think it'd be worth your time if, if we could talk next week, but I'd like to show you is this, and here's why, would you be open to that? And just bring them back to that call to action again, because you've gotten them far enough away from that emotional um, objection, which there's nothing behind it. So when they start talking, the more they start talking, the longer the conversation goes. As soon as they have an observation that's like, okay, this is relevant to me and a reason, all you have to do is go back to the CTA again, which, you know, you, you, you did all that stuff. You're just dealing with somebody that didn't really, um, they, they just weren't on, I guess is the way to say it. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. that, 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 the, the, the targeting is a little bit off on that one as well, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean that, that, uh, that, that type of personality comes up I mean, we've got a comment in here saying it's not the only person that has to deal with it. Um, unfortunately we're coming up on time. I only, I think oh, our, bummer. Our, our clock says we only have three minutes left here. So, um, we uh we're gonna have to land the plane on the live show today, but uh, oh bummer. But uh, we had a couple more recordings. Maybe we'll have to circle back uh, and do it again. I know we started a little bit late, but uh, I want to be respectful of everyone's time, especially yours today, uh, Greg. Um, thank you so much for coming in and, and being a part of the show. Uh, the uh, the feedback is is really powerful. Um, I love getting perspective from folks who are actually doing it uh, yeah. day in and day out, and 
Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat when it comes to outbound. But the mm -hmm. thing that I took away from the session today is like the best thing you could do is um, have an idea of where you're going, right? Have that framework in place, get an idea of those common words, phrases, and sentences that you know will allow you to progress a conversation. Don't overthink mm -hmm. it. Rip the bandaid off and go. It's, you're going to be in a really good shape if you just get started. Um, and from there, uh, if you take in, um, if you if you take the time to actually listen into calls and get feedback like this, you can start to get better over time. But if, as long as you have a good mental framework in place, you kind of know the direction of the conversation. Um, getting started is better than not. That's the real big takeaway that I I had from today's session. Is there anything else you'd want to leave with the group before we we land here? We got about two minutes before this clock's going to run out on us. Yeah, look, everything you just said is is those are great solid takeaways. Um, if you're if you're newer at this, honestly, what you're going to get the ultimate uh, ROI from the fastest is uh, watching other people's calls and listening to your own recordings. You're going to hear things in your own recordings that you don't hear in the moment because you're focused on you know fight or flight at that time. And when you listen back to it, you you can hear little things that you do that you really like that you weren't really aware of, and now you can bottle that and use it more deliberately. And you're going to also hear things that you know I don't really like the way I said that. So now you're conscious of it and. That's the best way to sharpen this all, even if, if you're seasoned at doing this. I mean, you have to listen to your recall recordings because th things are constantly evolving. That's the, if, you, if you did anything for one hour uh, to try and improve call, cold calling, that would be the, the ultimate power activity. Yeah, I don't do enough of it myself. I love these sessions because it's, to your point, you, you hear these little things like, dang it, yeah. missed that one thing. Um, yeah. Should have spoke faster here, should have slowed down there. I'm over talking someone you know, it's yeah. a big problem I have. And it's like, you can see that stuff. And uh, it's those micro improvements over time that'll help you get to the next level. Yeah. Um, I know you're a pretty busy person, but, uh, uh, and, and you've got a lot going on, but if folks wanted to reach out to you, um, is there a way for people to get in touch with, uh, with Greg? Yeah. Woodwardstrategies.com is my website. Hit me up on LinkedIn, um, Gregory C. Woodward. And uh, if you want to learn more about my training programs, just go to woodwardstrategies.com forward slash navigate and there's programs for teams and individuals in there fantastic well thank you yeah. so much again for being a part of the show and everyone tuning in live thank you so much for being here we have a couple more recordings they'll probably drop on the uh uh the news feed over the next uh, couple of days uh via cognizant's linkedin channel maybe even my own so uh, follow us if you're not doing that already i would assume most of you are but if you haven't make sure to follow us there uh, either me through my main linkedin channel or cognizant uh, yep. So you can get these live recordings and uh, tune in for the next show that we'll have next month. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, Greg. Thanks for having me. I have a lot of fun doing these with you. Thank you. <laughs>